And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. Hans Vogt, professor of Ulster County Community College. Always a pleasure. Well, gentlemen, it's nice to have you here in the studio here on a Saturday. Uh, last week, we just started to uh, approach the subject of the United States Constitution. And uh, we were slowly working through some questions uh, in terms of what the Constitution allows and doesn't allow. And um, we realized that we kind of ran out of time, so um, we'll continue that interesting discussion today. And uh, kind of to get us started, Hans, maybe you can uh, help us uh, understand um, how was the Constitution originally formed? Uh, not make a whole uh, lecture at it that you would get, you know, give to your students, but at least help us understand where did it come from? How did it come about? I usually need two class periods. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when you when you look at the Constitution, we said last week, of course, it's the second Constitution we've had. The Articles of Confederation mm. was the first. But, I mean, there's some foundational principles uh, that underlay both of them and that underlay, in, indeed, the American Revolution. Mm. Uh, and that begins with the idea, as it says in the Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator, very important words which should mm-hmm. not be left out, mm-hmm. by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Uh, so the principle here, in other words, is that God is the one who has given to human beings these rights. In Europe, uh, in many European countries at the time, rights were considered to be something granted by the crown. Ah. They were gifts, mm. and they could be as easily taken away as they had been granted in the first place. Mm-hmm. What the Americans were insisting upon from the foundation uh, of the Republic was that, no, rights are something which are not gifts of the crown, they are gifts of God. They are part of being made in the image of God, uh, and that this is the foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very important principle that we shouldn't be losing sight of. Yeah, that's huge. Thank you for that. Yeah, that, that I think, principle is so important. And this is uh, the problem that we're getting into, I think, with this country. Uh, so often we don't look at these rights as given by God, these inalienable rights. And because of that, uh, I think that's what happens. Governments then decide that they're the ones that can take them away rather than mm-hmm. uh, uh, realizing that uh, those rights cannot be uh, meddled with. And that's uh, that's why I think the Constitution was, was made to, if you will, tie the hands of the government so that they understand that they cannot touch these mm-hmm. inalienable God-given rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it shows a uh, perspective regarding the nature of man and how uh, that nature was perceived by our founders, doesn't it? Um, He's not perfect. He's prone to error, prone to uh, overstepping his bounds. And so boundaries are set up. And uh, I believe before we talked about checks and balances on another program, that's really important. And uh, the notion of accountability uh, how many times have you seen an organization run by one man, and he's not accountable to anybody, and uh, he runs it into the ground? So um, these are all important items, uh, baked into the Constitution, if you will. The thing that they recognized is, you know, and it comes down to the question, is who is God? 
and government mm-hmm. is not God. Oh, and that's, a and good that's point. one of the things I think that that was in the backs of the minds of the of the framers of our Constitution. Government is not God, mm-hmm. and I think we're getting we see in so many different societies today where government tries to be God, mm-hmm. and that's a huge mistake. Yeah. Now, regarding specifically the United States Constitution, um, here's a couple more questions that come to mind, and that is. Um, There's a lot of discussion right now about uh, immigration. And Hans, I know you're an expert on that. Uh, You did your dissertation regarding immigration. Um, Illegal aliens in our land. What does the Constitution have to say about that issue? Well, the power to regulate immigration is given to Congress. Um, It's one of the enumerated powers of Congress. Um, It is... A little bit vaguely worded, only because uh, when it was written, immigration involved both free and unfree. That Mm -hmm. is, those who willingly came here and those who came here as slaves. Mm -hmm. So the the language was a little vague because they wanted to kind of, they didn't want to use the word slavery or or, uh, address that. But it is clearly given to Congress to regulate this uh, and to safeguard it. Now, Congress did not exercise that power for 100 years. Hmm. Uh, not until the till eighteen seventy five does Congress begin to pick up that power mm-hmm. um, and states the reason Congress picked it up is because the border states and the states that were receiving high volume of immigrants like New York complained um, not unlike border states today that the federal government wasn 't doing their job was mm-hmm. not regulating what they were supposed to be regulating now these people that come in. Not all of them are bad, necessarily. They they want uh, maybe the American dream, quote-unquote. But some of them are bad. And could it not be seen as almost a an invasion? Let's say there's drug lords coming in and smuggling, human trafficking, and that sort of thing. Uh, does that um, come under the category almost of an invasion? You could certainly make an argument uh, to see hmm. it that way. Hmm. Um, I, I think the, the invasion or insurrection clause didn't necessarily have that in mind. I think no. they had in mind armed invasion or right. armed insurrection. But right. um, certainly one, one of the functions of any government is to uh, maintain the, the integrity of its borders mm-hmm. uh, and to keep track of who is entering and who is leaving. It's kind of a common sense sort of a thing. It, it comes back to my assertion. I wish we could send a bunch of farmers to Congress. I think they'd do a better job, but I'm showing my terrible bias there. Um, regarding immigration, um, there are proper ways to come to this nation. It's a wonderful nation, wonderful place to be. Um, just briefly, Hans, how does immigration, how is it supposed to work? How is it set up to legally work? Well, there's a different avenues that you can come to the country. You can uh, come on a work visa. Uh, if you have a particular skill or talent, um, it has to be the job has to be advertised in the United States first for a set period of time, hmm. um, and then they can advertise overseas. Um, you can come in under family reunification if you have an immediate family member who's in the United States. They can apply to bring you in. So th- there are a number of, of, of avenues and different types of visas um, hmm. that would allow you to come in. You can also there are temporary visas as well to come in as a tourist or as a student, mm-hmm. um, you know, foreign exchange student or college student. Now, let's say I want to come here, and um, let's say I'm coming from Europe or wherever, and 
do I have to go through classes? Uh, what, what do you have to do in order to learn about the culture, show my faithfulness? Do I have to swear allegiance? Uh, how does it work? If you want to be naturalized as a U.S. citizen, yes. All right. To mm-hmm. simply enter the country, uh, um, there are questions that are asked to determine, try to determine if you are um, in any way a potential threat. Mm. Of course, you can lie when you yeah, answer those sure. questions. So it's no sure. safeguard. But um, but yet, definitely, to naturalize, to become a, a U.S. citizen uh, as an immigrant, um, you have to take a test, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you have to swear um, uh, allegiance to this country uh, and to its government. And really, uh, I've given that test to some of my classes of, of native-born U.S. citizens, and um, if their citizenship depended on passing that test, you know, I, I would be deporting some students. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, hold that thought. I see yeah. we're at a, up against a break here. This is a plain answer here on Redeemer Broadcasting. Today we're talking about the United States Constitution. In the studio, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. Hans Vogt. Stay with us now. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. Hans Vogt. Today we're talking about the United States Constitution. It's a very important document to this land. Um, you know, when the mics were off, gentlemen, we were just batting back and forth some ideas, and there is a lot of emotion uh, in our country right now. Um, the, the normal people, uh, I don't even know how to say it, the common man on the street, man, woman on the street, feel like here we are, we're dutifully paying our taxes, and we, we feel like we have no say in what's going on in Washington, and uh, here's a government... In my humble opinion, this is not necessarily Redeemer Broadcasting's opinion, out of control. Uh, You know, bailouts, um, owning uh, part of GM, uh, running our health care and and all of this, uh, it is uh, terribly frustrating to the normal man and woman on the street. Can we talk a little bit about uh, the basically the growth of bureaucracy that we see in our own day and relate that back to the Constitution? I have often said to my students that if the Founding Fathers came back to the United States today, what would probably appall them most, mm. uh, 200 and you know 20 plus years on, is 
the size and power of the federal government because it's way beyond what they would ever have dreamt in their worst nightmare. Uh, Thomas Jefferson famously said, that government is best, which governs least. Amen. That government should be as small as possible, do as little as possible. Why? Because power corrupts. And the more power you give government, the more power it takes. Yeah. And the more your freedoms are infringed on. Mm -hmm. Today, almost... Three million civilians work for the federal government. Now, hold on. Listen, let me get that straight. You're talking, you're eliminating this to just the federal government. Right. And you're saying three, oh. three million. That's, that's civilians. That. Now, another million and a half are in the military. Huh. 98% of those uh, employees, of course, work in the executive branch. When the executive branch when, was created, the, Washington's cabinet consisted of just three departments, state, treasury, and war, yeah. which are the three basic functions of government. Foreign diplomacy, manage the, you know, the, the money, and, and defending mm-hmm. the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have added to that uh, piecemeal over 200 years, yeah. uh, you know, interior, agriculture, uh, you know, education, housing and urban yeah. development, homeland security, uh, not to mention regulatory agencies, Interstate Commerce Commission, Federal Trade Commission, yeah. Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, and all of these bodies are, are, are of, of bureaucrats are unelected. Um, unelected. That's what scares me. Yeah. They're, unelected. They're appointed and they have broad power right. to make and enforce rules. And, and isn't it true that once these agencies and people get in place... It's a lot harder to get them out of there. Well, that's no. it. That's it. It's a, a lot of these uh, departments, according to the Constitution, they have no business existing. And and right. I, I think some of the things probably couldn't have been anticipated. And so you might say it might fit under the elastic uh, part of the Constitution. I'm thinking, you know, the Army was the one that obviously – belonged under the constitution mm-hmm. well now we have an interstate highway system which we probably need to have after the internal combustion automobile yeah. and maybe we we should have something that uh, deals with that on a federal level but everything else uh, should have been dealt with on a state and local level mm-hmm. and i am one of these people that contends that many of these agencies have been very counterproductive Mm. I think the FDA has killed far more people than it has saved by its <laughs> regulations because it, I think it has hampered mm-hmm. uh, the creation of, of new and better medicines. On the news the other day, I saw someone getting a fine uh, because they were growing their own food on their own land and they were selling some vegetables or whatever. And um, it just scares me and it, and it aggravates me, frankly, um, that, that our freedoms are being impinged upon right. so much. Um, you know, we, we here, we're, we we just have three acres of land, but in the past we've had a garden, uh, we've got chickens, and we, we just enjoy that kind of freedom. And I understand there's zoning laws and, and that sort of thing, and that's a whole other You have uh, area chickens. Of discussion. Yeah. Well, that means you're part of this big salmonella yeah. problem, huh? <laughs> we eat the eggs, and I'm perfectly healthy. Um, <laughs> last week we were talking a little bit about some of the questions regarding the Constitution, and uh, what is constitutional, what isn't? Uh, can we get back for just a moment and talk about um, the uh, power of the purse? Uh, which part of the federal government 
uh, holds the power of the purse. Um, talk a little bit about um, that part of it, if possible. Well, the House of Representatives is the one uh, that holds the power of the purse. Hmm. All spending bills must originate in the House of Representatives, according to the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and then, obviously, the Senate must also pass that bill, of course, and, and it has to be signed into law by the president, hmm. like any other bill. But that was deliberately done to make sure that the branch of government that was most responsive to the voters, to the people. Yeah. Um, because remember, in the original Constitution, the, the, the senators were elected by state legislatures, not the people. The president is still indirectly elected by the Electoral College. Um, but the House of Representatives was voted, uh, of course, directly by, by the voters. So mm. it was a deliberate um, to make sure that those who were going to be originating those spending bills were directly responsible to the taxpayers uh, mm. and voters mm-hmm. who could express their pleasure or displeasure at those spending yeah, bills yeah. at the next election. I'm sensing there's a lot of displeasure right now in our country as I uh, look at the news and, and receive various emails and um, something's afoot. I'm not quite sure I can get my arms around it, but, yeah. but something is definitely well, happening in this country. May it be tied, it's kind of a prayer, to that great awakening that we've mentioned before on this program. Well, well that's it. You know, I, you look at a, a Renaissance or a Reformation, you know, one of the things that occurred during the Reformation was looking back at scriptures and saying, good grief, the church isn't following the Bible. Yeah. And I I would like to see a similar thing happen in, in the government where, you know, finally people wake up and say, good grief, we're not following the Constitution. Let's get back to this marvelous uh, document that served this nation so well. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's, you know, have a, a renaissance, if you will, of, yeah. of the uh, Constitution. Now, we're Christians. We're our first... Uh First interest is in Christ and his salvation. That's right. right? And living for him. And I'm I'm thinking that if this were to occur, um, it would actually help protect our religious freedoms. Yes. And our ability to worship and to to evangelize, to get the good good news out to all people. Well, well that's that's the key thing because already we're we're finding in uh, nations like Canada and Australia and, mm-hmm. and England where the church is being uh, pressured, especially in some of the areas, if you speak out in the area of of homosexuality, if you speak out too loud in the area of of, of abortion, mm-hmm. uh, you can be thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. You can be fined. And the Constitution, uh, under the Constitution, that should never occur in this country. But I see where if things keep going the way they are, mm-hmm. Um, the Christians will soon be a persecuted uh, group in this this nation. Yeah. Now, um, before we run out of time, um, one or two more questions, and and here's what I've got in mind. Um, one is, um, do, does the Bill of Rights um, grant grant the people free speech, freedom of the press, the right to possess a weapon, all of that? Okay, that that's one question. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> Okay. Next question. Uh, uh, okay. Well, that, that was quick and easy. No, no, the Bill of Rights doesn't really do that, does it? God gives us those rights. The Bill of Rights just uh, documents it. Documents it, if you will. Well, that's a that's a fine point, and I think you would both agree. Yeah. Right, that. and they were rights that were in virtually all the state constitutions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In yeah, 1787, sure. and it come from the English Bill of Rights as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, another important principle, of course, that that 
undergirds the Constitution uh, is that of federalism. Uh, the division of power, not only into the three branches of the federal government, but also between the federal and state governments. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, yeah. And this was really something unique uh, when the Founding Fathers wrote our Constitution. They really didn't have an example of a federal government quite like the one they created. Switzerland and the Netherlands were, to a certain extent, federal republics, but not really in the same mm. along the same lines that the founding fathers created. So there must have been some feelings of risk as they as they went down this road because they weren't quite sure where they were going. Well, there and they were students of history. They yeah. were aware that when you look at history and when you look at republics in the past, the history of republics is very short. They don't last very long. They usually end badly, very often with first the people kind of getting out of control and then a strong man coming in and, and laying down the law as a dictator and restoring mm-hmm. law and order. And so they're trying to, to beat that trend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one way they tried to do it was through federalism. Um, not only is there a safeguard in dividing powers among the branches of the federal government, but a further safeguard built in by keeping powers reserved to the state governments. Now, the, the Constitution mentions this explicitly, as I, as I recall. Can you yeah. help us remember that? How, how is that worded there? Right. Well, first of all, in, in Article 1, um, Sections 9 and 10, there are limits placed on on the federal government, what the federal government can compel the states to do, mm. and also vice versa, some limits on what the states can do. But then, of course, the Ninth and Tenth Amendments in the Bill of Rights, you know, make clear that the powers not delegated specifically by the Constitution That's to it. the federal government are reserved to the states and to the people. Mm-hmm. You know, that almost seems to imply that everything else in the Constitution really was stipulated, and that gets me back to more of a constructionist mentality. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Exactly. Right. I wonder what... You know, we could close with this this question. I wonder what our land would look like, um, whether you agree with it or not, of a more strict interpretation of the Constitution. But if we did, um, uh, you know, honestly enforce the Constitution today, uh, how would it affect us? What would our nation look like in terms of, um, I don't know, these various departments uh, let's say, that, that have sprung up over the past 20, 30, 40 years, what would it look like? Well, I think they would be eliminated to begin <laughs> with. Our taxes would be considerably lower. Oh, that would be nice. And and, uh, and and many of the services that we have taken for granted would, would go away, and we'd have mm-hmm. to find other ways of meeting them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, we would not have a welfare state. I, I remember early on, Hans, you probably remember the disaster. I think it was... Was a Daniel Boone was in the legislature. There was a disaster that occurred somewheres, mm-hmm. and and he stood up and and they were going to vote aid to them, and he said, you know, we shouldn't be sending other people's money. I will send my own money, but no, we're not going to send aid there. Mm-hmm. And and people would get behind things uh, by themselves. I think it would help the churches. I think the churches' mm-hmm. diaconal functions would start to, to oh, function yeah. better the way they ought to. We have released that function to the, the, the federal government way too much. Yeah, and that that's interesting. We almost need another follow-up uh, discussion on, on this itself. Uh, but you, you reminded me of something uh, regarding the diaconal function, and that is um, when people are coming to the church and the church is helping them, 
uh, the church right away from a biblical framework will will try to truly help that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may try to teach him to or her to work and not just accept the handout. Right. Uh, maybe there's some chores or whatever they can do around the church. Maybe they can help another brother or sister down the street repair their house or what have you. Um, that is a very healthy thing to have happen, isn't it? Yeah, and, and just to give an example of, of that, I remember years ago there was a, a small municipality that had only one person in their town on welfare, and it was a, a woman who was younger and, and able-bodied, and they had her doing some cleaning mm-hmm. to receive the welfare that she's, and she liked that. Sure, it she, made her she, feel she, good about but herself. But there were other agencies higher up in the federal government, state governments, that was going to stop that town from doing that. Oh, sure. It threatened them, didn't it? It was. Yeah. An, it was I thought it was yeah. an outrageous uh, abuse of governmental with, power. With that, we have about a half a minute for wrap-up thoughts, gentlemen. We may want to continue some of this discussion even into next week. Um, just some summary thoughts uh, here before we run out of time. Well, one of the things that happens, and this goes with what Mark said, when we rely too much on the federal government, we're really abdicating our own responsibility. Um, and, in, and in the final analysis, it is up to each individual citizen to obey the laws, to do what is right, to uh, help their fellow man you know, when, the, when a disaster strikes, when, right. when, when problems arise. Uh, and government can't compel that uh, no. it, it can try but it, in the last result it, it has to be us uh, yeah. who step up to the plate who take the responsibility for our common life mm-hmm. uh, and we can't delegate that to the government or say let the government worry about it we have to be the ones taking responsibility amen to that yeah. I, I would just say you know there's a parallelism here and, and I, as, as the government as our constitution has been ignored or it's been tried to be morphed into something uh, that it's not. It has always worked to the detriment of the people of this country. Hmm. And I would say that even more so when it comes to the Bible. If you ignore the Bible and or you try to morph it into something that it's not, it always hurts and it's to the de- detriment of the individual. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, nice thoughts there. Uh, You've been listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Join us next week at this same time. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Today we had in the studio with us the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. Hans Vogt. All of these broadcasts will be posted up on our website. Check it out. It's at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. May our Lord richly bless you today as you serve Him.